On Sin, I am your host and I am also so excited. My name is Tom. This is the first time I've been on the radio in 2022. I feel so blessed. It's like my favorite thing to do. Except, of course, banter with my lovely friends here on Player One. Tonight, joining me in the studio, Lenny, Jacob, Nathan. You guys, we're going to be doing some Player One stuff. I don't know if you heard. It's, it's all about video games. It's all about radio. There's some music along the way. Maybe a quiz, but... If you want to find out more about Player One and all the extra stuff we have, you can check us out at, at @playerone_sin on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're also Player One on YouTube, and we're Player One on Omni, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Because that's the best place to find out that we have the first five episodes of this season up on the podcast realm already, and we have a cheeky uh, review of Tetris Effect by Connor. Uh, hopefully Connor makes an appearance later because I think I miss Connor a little bit too. But, you know, sometimes we talk about some pretty heavy stuff here on the radio. And I'm just going to send out these numbers for you right now. We got Beyond Blue at 1-300-224-636. The Kids Helpline at 1-800-55-1800. And QLife Helpline at 1-800-184-527. Hey, this is Phoebe Watson, and you're listening to Player One. I am Dem. I have been returned to life. That sounds weird by Michael Transactions. It's been an interesting uh, first five minutes of the show, but I am here now. I'm joined by Jacob, Nathan, Tom, and Eleni, and it's a good time, and I've got some news to present to you. I was very certain needed to present this to you, so I got over here to quote some famous fighting game characters I got over here. Yeah, cool. Jokes aside, let's jump straight into some news. 2K has secured a license to create a variety of Lego games centering around sports. Fans of Nintendo for the closing of the Wii U and 3DS stores and the, the decidedly hard-to-find nature of many of these older titles which saw re-releases on the platform could be forever left unplayed. Uh, This has drawn the attention also of the Video Game History Foundation, calling the Nintendo's practice of gatekeeping retro titles destructive to video game history. PlayStation VR 2's design has been revealed online, and it's very pretty. It's very pretty indeed. I do like how it looks. It's very nice. It's very good. And it also cures the mass uh, issue that people are having at the moment with getting their hands on a PlayStation VR, which is exciting. Get around it, guys. Capcom's countdown has lapsed, revealing a new title and a long-awaited addition to a fan favorite series. The what next series COD has that? been... Oh, we'll be talking about it a bit later. It's going to be a bit of a surprise. I mean, people it probably know by Mega now. Man. It better not be Mega Man. It's Mega Man X! <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite Mega Man. Uh, And speaking of sequels and such, we have the next COD uh, being revealed to be delayed until at least 2024, making it the uh, end of a cycle of every of yearly COD titles, which has been occurring over the last 18 years. All we can ask really is, what does Microsoft have planned for the Activision title? Pew Pew Mode has been revealed for Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. 
Uh, there's an opinion piece here also, which I believe was mine. NFTs are bad for the environment and expensive, and I still don't know what their appeal is. Take from that what you will. Chuck continuing freeze on publication on the publication of new gaming titles has been going on now for nine months, which is since July 2021, with word of when it will end. And with that, that is the news we have for you this evening. And Nathan, do you have some tasty releases coming this week? Uh, yes. On March the 1st, we have LX2 on PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC. Also on that date, we have Shadow Warrior 3 on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. No next-gen um, release for that. Um, on March the 2nd, we have Babylon's Fall for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, and the PC. And on March 4th, we have Gran Turismo 7 for PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4, and also Triangle Strategy for the Switch. And folks, microtransactions has struck again because, Dem, she's gone. She popped in for the news. She's gone. We don't know where she is. She might reappear later in the show. We'll find out. Maybe make a deal with microtransactions, bring her back. But for now, it's time to reminisce. Reminisce on the first two months of the year, you know? Today, it's the end of Feb. I can't believe it. It's amazing to think that already two months of the year are gone. And, of course, with January and February came some great video games. Not a lot of big releases, but some great ones. So we thought we'd take this time to really just reflect on what we've enjoyed in the gaming world so far. I think, for me, the big one, and something that I do plan on releasing a review for later on in the coming weeks, so stay tuned for that, is Dying Light 2 because I'm a big Dying Light fan. I've been eagerly anticipating the sequel and despite a few little little hiccups in terms of technical issues, of course, with any big title, I feel like it's bound to happen. Dying Light 2 has been really, really enjoyable. I've loved it. Obviously, they're such fun games. The parkour system is just schmick it is just perfection so smooth so clean lots of fun destroying zombies in any way shape or form so for anyone who hasn't picked up dying light 2 who's been a bit hesitant i definitely recommend it anyone who loves the the zombie genre and has never played dying light absolutely recommend getting your hands on the first one because both of them are fabulous fabulous games and it's been a great great start to the year for me but Tom, what games have tickled your fancy in the first two months of 2022? You know, I was very skeptical. Some people might be able to remember uh, when I spoke about this game, Pokemon Legends Arcus, when we first saw stuff. I remember I spoke so much on Player One about how I'm like, like, I'm keen, I'm optimistic, but I'm very also cautious. Like, I'm very afraid that this will not be good. And I don't know. I feel like now my second monitor at home has never been used for my computer. It's almost always dedicated to me playing this game. But when I find some free time in between, I have been fitting in a little bit of uh, Horizon Forbidden West as recently. And I mean, it came out only a few days ago, but Elden Ring, I'm really excited to put more of my time into that. It's... I think that's like what people blame George R. Martin for not finishing his books on is this game. So hopefully we can get some uh, Game of Thrones books as well after this. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm just, I'm just so excited, guys. But Jacob, what have you been playing this from this year? So uh, I'm, I'm going to double up on the uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus being really, really good and definitely something I wasn't expecting. 
Um, I definitely have talked very badly about how I thought the game would come out, but I'm pleasantly surprised. Very good, very playable, um, and actually one of the most fun experiences I've ever had playing Pokemon, which is a good thing to say, but one that I feel is a bit of a cheaty response here is... Um, Spelunky 2 was finally released to Microsoft consoles, the Xbox uh, One X, One, and the Series X and S. And, oh my god, it's so good. I suck at Spelunky, but I can put hours into dying in the first 10 levels over and over and over and over and over and over. If you're looking for a fun platformer like Roguelike, I cannot suggest you check out Spelunky 2 any more than I already have. And it's on Game Pass, so... What are you doing? Check it out. What are you doing? Nathan, what are you doing? Um, so I think um, one of the games that I've been looking forward to, and I haven't played it yet, but um, Total War Warhammer 3, I, I think, is pretty good. And I want to play it so bad. Yes, It's, been a, bit, it's been a bit of a quiet start. I think, you know, there's a lot of games that have been delayed and delayed and delayed, so... I imagine we'll get some bigger releases later on the year, but I think, you know, it's been a good first two months, you know, some some big releases, of oh, course. The most anticipated game two years in a row, Elden Ring. We finally got it. It's out. Have we played it? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, the, the one I saw that I was looking at going, that looked fantastic. Why isn't that getting hyped? Sifu. I didn't play it yet, but oh God, go play that. It the looks Oli, so Oli good. World? That came Oli, out Oli World? We could keep going. We could really keep going. And you know what? Uh, talk is cheap. And we talked a lot last week about this big Capcom announcement and what it could be. And you know what? I feel like I've been kind of cheaped out on. I feel like Capcom kind of just went, oh, yeah, we also do Street Fighter. Um, for those who don't know, Capcom's big time clock reveal. They put a big clock on a website counting down. And at the end of it, they announced Street Fighter Six which, okay, it's, I'm more surprised than anything it took them that long to get to six, but, you know, it is what it is. And Eleni, you actually get got it right. You guessed that it would be Street Fighter Six, and you willed this into the world. And to be honest, I'm kind of annoyed with you for doing that. Well, yeah, I don't want to say I willed it into the world. I think, you know, it was just we all had very exciting, promising ideas, and I think I just, I was the logical voice last week. I think, you know, this game had been delayed, so it just made sense, but... What I don't get is having a giant countdown for a game that everyone knew was coming. Like, I don't think that was the correct way to go about it because, unfortunately, now, you know, the hype kind of wasn't exactly reaching the level they wanted because everyone kind of knew it was going to be Street Fighter. And guess what? It's Street Fighter. But I don't know. That's that's just my take. I think having a giant countdown for a game that everyone knew was coming is a bit, a bit silly. But, Tom, what do you think? Are you excited for another Street Fighter? Oh, I am not at all, you know, I, sorry, I really like, I feel like I had this weird fix that was satiated by Super Smash Bros when they're like, oh, every fighting game you know and love, well, it's all kind of in this one now, you know, you can, even in hindsight, adding a character from uh, the Punch game for the Switch, oh, I feel so bad that I can't remember the title of it. Punch Out? Punch Out, yeah, it's like... It, that was a fighting game that was ne is now a part of that Smash universe. It has the controls-ish of it. But yeah, I was like, I don't know, Street Fighter. Uh, there's enough Street Fighters out there. What have they got, like 50 of them and number two as well? I just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think, what though, I can understand 
getting behind the countdown was them. Everyone's like, oh, we know this game's been delayed. Sure. But this is Capcom being like, don't worry, guys. It's still real, please. Like, you know, here we go. We're, we're solidly putting out that it is... It's a, a hype moment now. You can you can get hyped now, even though it's been delayed. I think it's a bit of a weird concept. A lot of people lose that hype with some games, I think, as they get delayed. But yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with um, them being a smash because um, specifically Street Fighter characters have been absolutely everywhere recently. Um, specifically, um, Ryu, Chun-Li, and Akuma have been, you know cameoing in just about every franchise you can put to paper um they've been everywhere and it just kind of feels like you know oh it's 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 ryu again cool yeah um and i guess something we were just talking about off air but we absolutely have to mention it is that you know there has been a lot of attention brought towards this street fighter 6 reveal but maybe not the attention capcom were hoping for because with the reveal of the game um, came a lovely logo, except, you know, audiences are very clever, viewers are very clever, and some of them noticed this logo seemed a little bit familiar. So people did some diving and they found that the Street Fighter VI logo bears a very, very, very strong resemblance to a stock image on Adobe. Um, if anyone hasn't seen this and you're listening in your car, listening in any other sort of area, definitely look it up because it is quite comical. And I think, like, there can be no other explanation other than they tried to pull a fast one on their audience and their audience is obviously a lot, a lot more intelligent, I should say, than than they realised because it's almost identical. So I found that quite hilarious. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's all a publicity stunt. Who knows? I don't know, but... Yo, Adobe maybe they over? just didn't have the budget Adobe for it. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to also just jump on the back of that. I saw another thing recently. It's how I actually saw that this game was released, or being announced even. They have a graphic for Ryu, where Ryu's just standing in the dark, you know, head down. He's doing his big, like, I am a big man, big strong man kind of pose. The problem is the way they've lit, uh, lit Ryu and the way they've, actually designed the poster it looks like the incredible hulk it doesn't look like ryu you cannot tell it's ryu on a first glance the marketing for this i don't know marvel marvel meets street fighter meets adobe it's the crossover we've all been waiting for we've done marvel and capcom before that would have been more exciting (laughs) it really does look like the hulk and it's not just because there's a muscular toned thing it's like you can't see the facial features there's just some like a slap of black hair on the top and with the lighting they look so green but Ugh, it, it, it it is baffling hi i'm mike pollock the voice of dr eggman you're listening to player one on sin but you probably already knew that now we're gonna be talking a little bit about movies guys i mean a movie sorry i know player one you'd think we were talking about video games <laughs> i've tricked you it's about both we were talking about the Bioshock movie. Did you even know that it was a thing? I didn't before we started planning to talk about this. I just feel like we're in a bit of a rut with video game movies that we've fallen back into. I'm, but, I don't know. I'm, I'm keen to hear what everyone has to say. I think Bioshock movie... I'm not, I'm not excited. I'm very scared. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I guess to give a bit of context to this, I think... You know, in the same way that a Halo adaptation was in the works for 15 years, I think Bioshock is another gaming series that has had names attached to it, directors, whatnot, thrown around for years and years. But finally, 
we have some sort of confirmation that something will be created because Netflix has announced that they are in the works with 2K and Take-Two Interactive to work collaboratively, collaboratively sorry, um, on a film adaptation, which I think is really exciting. Um, Netflix Geeked actually announced it via Twitter, um, the post that they announced the collaboration on stated that we all make choices, but in the end our choices make us, which is, of course, a famous Bioshock quote. Um, and then they did a little Netflix plus Bioshock, would you kindly stay tuned? So that kind of implies that hopefully we'll get an adaptation of the first Bioshock, which is probably the most well-known and critically acclaimed game in the series. Um, I know, Tom, you and I were sort of talking off air about I guess the complexities of the Bioshock narrative, I think, you know, when we've seen a lot of video game adaptations recently, things like Sonic, things like Uncharted, you know, fantastic source material, but not something that maybe delves into the, you know, the depths of of humanity, of morality that Bioshock does. It's a very gritty game series and one that, you know, I I don't know what you all think, but I can't see an adaptation of Bioshock ever being a true reflection of the source material. Because I think, firstly, if it was going to be similar to the games, it would probably have a minimum of an MA15 plus rating, even an I18 rating, I think, potentially. You know, obviously, one of the the main sort of talking points of the first game is, you know, the concept of the little sisters, you know, young girls who are taken and experimented on and basically robbed of all humanity and innocence. I think that in itself is already bumping them up to an MA15 plus rating. So it'll be really interesting. Again, Bioshock is one of my favorite series. I've spoken about it constantly on the show, done reviews, which you can always check out in the podcast realm. But this is probably the one that I'm most worried about in that I really don't know how they could adapt a game like this in in any way. I'm not sure. What do you, what do you think, Jacob? So I, I think you're completely hitting the nail on the head. The complexities of a lot of these games, especially games with, uh, more intense plot lines and plot lines that go deeper into things um, can be very difficult. And I, I would argue impossible for a movie to actually delve into and tell the story of properly because video games have this fantastic ability to um, build a world through hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of gameplay. I've only really played Bioshock Infinite in the series. And even then I couldn't imagine them, you know, condensing this down to movie length and letting that story run because it would not make sense. And I can't see any Bioshock game doing that because if you can't put it on, I think, a proper synopsis going over every big plot point in, like, a page, you're not going to be able to tell the story in a movie, I think. But I don't know. That's that's where I sit with that. I think not even just narratively speaking, but also, like, from a rather storytelling perspective, a huge strength of a video game is being able to take your audience put them in the seat and be like whoa that was all you whereas a movie i think it's much much harder to feel that emotional connection that you do or like responsibility of morality especially when you have that one to two hour time you know tv shows i think have a better chance to do it i'm a bit excited for the last of us tv show that is why i said it but um i think like bioshock as well is very extremely politically relevant at the moment that it it is it, it, it's a it's a risky move almost to say that you want to talk about these things like okay we're gonna make a bioshock film it explores the complexities and the morality around extreme capitalism when the, at a time where 
uh, inflation and like economics is a huge discussion point in politics in most like major countries at the moment. It's a it's either really ballsy and I think it could be fantastic, but I don't think that it will be. I don't think it will have the guts so to like, yeah, we're going to tell Bioshock how it is. Well, I think it's really good that you brought up The Last of Us because I think they, they're both very similar. The parallels can definitely be drawn in terms of having a video game that, you know, goes deeper looking at, you know, the human condition, looking at the the morality of situations. But I think that The Last of Us is something that has more of a chance of being adapted successfully, mainly because ultimately all you've got is humanity, post-apocalyptic scenario, zombies. I think that's a pretty well-worn formula. We all know how that works. But with Bioshock, you've just got so much going on. You know, firstly, you're in an underwater city. That in itself is a whole concept. Then you've got, you know, a, a silent protagonist, which is always a tricky thing to I guess, work through in terms of adapting. Then you've got things like the big daddies, you know, these giant mechanical suits. You've got, you know, little girls who have been robbed of their humanity. You've got people who are essentially zombies but also have, you know, chemical enhancements in them. So you've just got a lot going on and I worry that they're going to go for quantity in terms of this adaptation. Like you said, Tom, they're going to go for everything. There's so much politics to discuss within Bioshock, but I just worry that, the quality just won't be there. But Jacob, before we wrap up, what are your final thoughts for this one? So every point you just made makes me think that it's going to be almost beat for beat, similar to the Resident Evil uh, movie, where they just absolutely butchered the stories of uh, two and three and one for that matter. Um, and just went over the big beats. And I think that's what we're going to get. We're going to get big action moments. No story, obviously Bioshock. One has a diverging story. There are multiple endings, but I don't think we're going to see any of the canon endings. But anyway, uh, what have you ever collected? Have you collected lots of things in your past? I suddenly bought a pop vinyl, and and now all of a sudden I just want to keep buying them. What is the human option with got to collect them all? Is it that the grass is always green on the other side when you have all the things? Or is it just... The little, the little, the little bird in your head that goes mm thing, mm thing, mm thing, mm thing. I don't know, Nathan. You're a bit of a collector. Tell me more. Yes, um, I I collect pop vinyls and I I collect Lego and figurines and I I have a lot of collector stuff and I I really enjoy it. It although it does kind of um, my wallet isn't very happy with me whenever I buy a new figurine. <laughs> Well, exactly. Uh, That's the truth. Yeah, but I, I just like lining my room with tons of cool stuff. It is, it is definitely fun. I think that um, having the ability to, you know, show off what you're into, um, and it's all of what collecting is. You'll get something you're into and you'll show it off. You'll display it, whether it be a pop vinyl, whether it be uh, an amiibo, whether it be video games or any other form of media, you would usually display it because you want to be like, yeah, I support this. I like this thing um, myself. If, if there's a show I watch or something like that, occasionally I'll buy something from it, like the first volume of the book it's based on or something, just to show that I support it and actually put something into it. But Nathan's completely right, I think, on the, the money aspect of it because collecting is not cheap. And you mentioned pop finals before. I'm looking right in front of me and, like, I'm, I'm sure I could 
do a quick thing and for socials and all that and send it off to them. But I've got heaps right here that haven't moved for uh, like months. They're just kind of sitting the there. The dust. The and dust. It's, it's even worse with my Amiibos where I got them because I was like, yeah, I, I really like Sonic. I really like Kirby, uh, Link, Cloud, all these characters. And I haven't touched them because you don't really do much with them. Um, and it becomes either you're spending time enjoying looking after these things like you would with a, a collector's console or something where you like to clean it, you like to you know keep it pristine, or you're just buying something to buy it almost. It's a really dangerous thing to get into. And I think, yeah, the money part of it is probably the most scary because you might just spend too much when you could you know have bought who knows what else. Absolutely. And the chase aspect of these uh, items, like with, with, with vinyls, it's the easiest way to explain it. You've got your flock, your glitter, your special silver ones, your big ones, your little ones, your key rings. There's now the soda pops you can get. And there's this whole idea that you can't get them once they're already gone. So people are like, well, I'll grab one, I'll leave it in the box and I can resell it. Or they're like, no, I want to display it, but then you have a useless hunk of plastic and it's, it becomes this terrible cycle of too many things, right. too much crap, oh my God. too many too many bits and bobs, and it becomes really hard, NFTs. you know? NFTs! It's this like an NFT NFTs. you can hold! This is NFTs! I'm sorry, this is like, you're like, oh, you know, maybe you could resell it. Maybe you're just proud that you own it. Oh, I was... I, well, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Cool. I mean, that makes me feel. That makes me feel good. I don't like NFTs either. Doesn't Sorry. make me feel good. <laughs> no, the original NFT, the collectible. At least it doesn't. I don't know. It's uh. Oh, you can hold it. Yeah, you can hold it. You can hang out with it. I don't know. I um. I'm not much for collecting. I used to be really into it when I was very young. Uh, I think when I didn't have my own income was when I thought it was huh. cool. <laughs> Where, the um, and I think like it took maybe a few months for me to be like why is everything so dirty why does everything look so dusty and um look I love you my friends if you listen to the show uh, every time you give me a pop vinyl or a collectible I put it under my bed in a box and I never look at it ever again I, I appreciate oh my the god. presence but I, they, just, they just get dusty and I feel like I get so paranoid that I'm going to get into this rhythm of just buying things and being like oh I, like I I get that like that mild euphoria from buying something and like yeah that being said i also love collecting like pokemon and then you outside of the segment related it to that like oh this is like it's a catch them all but i i love doing that i will waste so much of my time trying to complete everything in a video game or something and that's kind of similar i don't do it to show anyone i just like the idea of having everything i don't know just, it's shiny bird syndrome. I think of it as like you know, just, like a like a magpie seeing something and going mine, mine for my nest, mine. I do it with dice too for Dungeons and Dragons. I have like a hundred sets of dice, and it's like my favorite thing. I just throw it on the table, loud thud. Hello, this is Howard Scott Warshaw. I created Yars Revenge, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and the E.T. video games for Atari way back when. And I just want you to know that you are not only listening, but you are enjoying Player One on Sin. Go on, enjoy it. Right now, we're talking about controversy. Why does there always have to be controversy? What's the latest controversy? Please tell us. 
This controversy comes from a, a recent release of an expansion. Of course, you know, The Sims, everyone loves The Sims. They always have their expansions flowing. And The Sims 4's recent one has been the wedding, the wedding pack. Um, and, you know, you would think, what could be controversial about weddings? Everyone loves weddings. The idea of, you know, two people coming together, multiple people coming together, expressing their love for each other. What could be wrong with that? But, of course, you know, as is the way with some countries in the world, affection between same-sex relationships doesn't always go down well. So Russia, with, you know, very strict anti-gay laws that they have, were not really keen on the, the expansion being being released, particularly because all of the promotion for the expansion did include um, highlighting a same-sex couple. And so there was a lot of back and forth between sort of the country and EA in particular, who are obviously creators of The Sims, um, and looking at changing their promotional material because highlighting a same-sex couple in a country where those kinds of relationships aren't exactly approved is obviously a tricky thing. But it's been really interesting because the back and forth has been continuing, been going on, but now EA is or has released the expansion in Russia. And I guess the real complexity of the situation is that EA were very supportive of making sure that their content wasn't constricted in any way. They were very much so outspoken about making sure that those same-sex relationships were never cut from the game to accommodate Russia, which is fantastic, obviously. But then, you know, people in Russia were, were quite upset that they wouldn't be able to enjoy the expansion, which is completely understandable. Anyone who identifies as part of the LGBTQ plus community in Russia, not being able to have this content is a very sad thing, of course. But now the game, or the expansion, I should say, is releasing in Russia, which is fantastic for everyone on board. But it just goes back to the same old thing. You know, Russia, China in particular are two sort of entities that are constantly monitoring the sort of input and output of video games. So it's it's been an interesting thing. But Dem, you're back. Michael Transactions has returned you to us for this Hot topic, what have you got to say? I have some tasty legal information about why... Uh, well, not even why, but we could probably guess why, uh, but but what kind of legal implications there are for LGBTQI plus anything in Russia at the moment, including penalties of up over, over the 10 grand mark uh, in US dollars with a law that was passed in 2013 uh, forbidding the promotion of materials that promote non-traditional sexual relationships. That's how they get away with it. Uh, do you want to learn more about that? Have a look at, of it up. It's from 2013. What's worth looking at, especially with EA and its history with Russia as well, it's obviously a very tricky thing because EA is trying not to exclude players, especially within these re uh, regions, from these things, but also doing their best to, I guess, you know, walk that fine line. It, it's a really tricky one. And you know what? I, I'd like to think that with the new Switch sports game, I will be like an Ultimate Bowser because they're going to have some online bowling and the ranked bowling. And I'd like to think that my time, my time in 2022 and three will go towards getting a very high rank in bowling. And, you know, I'm going to be the bowling Bowser. That sounds really bad, but I'm going to go with it. But, of course, the game's coming out, and it's the newest um, Wii sports game coming out. And, you know, we've seen all sorts of things with it uh, recently. I know you've, you can do dual wielding with the uh, the sword fighting. It has another name that I 
can never seem to pronounce correctly. And there's also challenge bowling. And I imagine there's going to be heaps of other stuff within this game. What do we want to see from a sports game like Wii Sports? Do we want to see uh, a particular like movement towards a kind of challenge style? Do we want to see more single player content? Do we want to see the return of Matt? I don't know. Dem, what do you think? I mean, personally, all I want from a new Wii Sports slash Switch Sports slash Wii Switch Sports uh, game, I believe Wii Switch Sports is the title of choice, if I'm honest, even though they already have a logo and title announced. Anyway, I believe we need turn of Wii Sports Resort's Pilot Wings Ode, which was just kiss amazing, such a good game, although Pilot Wings kind of did say that a little i feel like go further with that and have a wonderful flying mini game like even the paragliding mini game in that game was the best like mm. i'm big on the air sports so i'm honestly really keen for air, all the sports like me and my housemates freaked out when we saw the the sword fighting stuff coming back again um so it'd be really really cool to see uh some flying sports coming back in i reckon definitely definitely and you mentioned you know the flying around it immediately brought to my mind um, in one of the Wii U games, I think, Wii Sports Resort, um, the archery. There are heaps of hidden secrets in that. Um, there are, Absolutely. I believe, watermelons and other fruits hidden in the backgrounds to the stages that you can actually hit. And I don't know what the reward is off the top of my head, but it's a really fun little secret because some of them are hidden very, very well. But I think it, you know, maybe building the new area that they're hosting all these sports in, the same way they built Wii Sports, uh, the Wii Sports Resort Island area, because... You know, I feel like I know that island very well, whether it be through Mario Honestly. Kart, whether it be through Wii Sports, it, it's an iconic island. Because that was the good thing about that game is that, like, you played the sports around the island and then you could fly around the island and visit the places you played the sports in. Like, you could go to where you rode your bike. You could go to where you canoed. You could literally fly up the volcano and get a skill point. It was you could, yeah, you amazing. Could just kind of, like, vibe on the island, and that was maybe the best part of it. It was Fantastic. Nathan, is there anything you want to see from a new Wii, um, Wii U Sports, Switch Sports, Sporty Sports game? <laughs> um, so, um, like you said, the archery. I'd love to do some archery on Wii Sports or Switch Sports or whatever. Um, and I want to see tennis again. I want to play some Wii Switch Sports tennis. We, we all Wii do. Switch Sports. We do switch We're switching sports. sports. And we do switch on to Tom's opinion. Tom, you know, maybe you want to see Matt. Do you do you want to see the return of Matt? I'm more curious than anything no. else on this one. No? No he more Matt? fell in the field of combat where I won victorious, okay? Matt shall not return to fight me with swords. No, in fact, what I want to see, and this is really weird, I want to see another, like, get packaged with multiple, minimum two. This is just my thoughts of the the uh leg attachment for the joy con holder and that's solely because i'm a little selfish man i use those for motion tracking with vr games they can you can have like bluetooth switch controls strapped to your legs and it's like wow if i just buy a game that comes with two things to hold it i don't even need to think about it i don't need to wear my socks really high all the way up to past my knees just so i can tuck some switch joy cons in them no this is sorry what a concept tom uh, we, we should do a segment on tom buying high knee socks yeah. uh, from japanese schoolgirl different cosplay. ways to wear joy cons look i would tom. look fantastic okay but you know maybe that's just for our own imagination i i must make a confession i actually have considered a lot i love playing vr i love getting all dressed up and doing stupid stuff in vr 
And the VR game, I don't play VR chat. I'll just wear my favorite outfits. Uh, some of my favorite photos of me with my pants all the way up to the top of my chest. Just like with my arms out. I don't know. It's, don't worry about it. It's great times. But, you know, why do I keep that to myself? Well, you know, video games, this is a moment to be shared. You know, those are solo games, though, that I play. So maybe a way I could share it would be if I started doing streaming. Now, maybe maybe I should start a bit more low-key. Don't go as out there. I was thinking if I were to become a streamer, I would... And this, it's not a video game, per se. But I would, I think I would try and do uh, Dungeons & Dragons live streams. Now, I just love doing Dungeons & Dragons. And I think just having my own like backlog of oh haha remember that was the voice i did for that character so i don't ever forget again i'm sorry guys shout out to my players <laughs> <laughs> but like i don't know what, what do you guys think you would be playing if you're on a stream um for me um i i'm i'm a youtuber so i um i record videos and put them to youtube i haven't streamed yet but um a few of the games I think I'd play would probably be Satisfactory and Dyson Sphere Program. They're good to play on stream. Some Minecraft. I think, like, Pokemon as well. Pokemon Legends of Arceus. I think a lot of good games you can stream. What about you, Jacob? So I, I actually do dabble in streaming every now and then. And I have for about a year or so, um, very quietly. And... It's it, it's more difficult than you think to find a game that really meshes with streaming because you kind of can't find one that you enjoy too much. Uh, for me, that was when the DLC for Animal Crossing came out. I decided, you know, I'm going to stream that because it's an interesting thing. I decided oh, I'm going to restart my island as well. Something new for Twitch. And I ended up, you know, kind of getting to a point where I was just like, I want to play more of this. I want to play more of this, you know, while I'm laying in bed, while I'm doing this, while I'm doing that. And it broke the stream um, continuity. You need to find games that you're not going to want to play off stream, as weird as that sounds. And I think some games that are great for that can be things like Breath of the Wild, because a lot of the time you can just kind of pick that up wherever you'd like. Um, some other games like Pokemon Challenges and things like that. Uh, I know for myself, I'm about to start uh, doing a big stream of some Pokemon Nuzlocks. That's a great way to do it because the best way to keep yourself invested and definitely keep yourself, um, you know, what's the word? What's the word? Um, 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 accountable raging. accountable for any deaths or anything like that is to have people watching and have people be able to be like, yeah, you got it wrong. And it's something you can put down and go do something else with. Uh, finding a game is a hard thing for a streamer. And it's something that I think that if you really want to get into streaming, don't play your first game first. Don't play Don't make that your first game you play on stream. Uh, look at what works and look at why it works. Um, and not for the numbers, look at why people can sit down for, you know, six to eight hours a day and play that game. Yeah, yeah, that's that's insightful. Eleni, do you know what you would be playing if you were a streamer? Yeah, well, it's funny. I've, I've thought about this a lot because I totally agree with Jacob in that, you know, it's great to have a game that you can keep yourself accountable. I love that. Um, I feel like mine would kind of be the flip side because... In terms of streaming, something I find so funny, and I every now and then if I need to pick me up, I love watching people stream horror games because I just think it's hilarious. And so I think for me, you know, I love all of the supermassive games, things like Until Dawn, the most recent House of Ashes. And I think I would love to stream something like this because, you know, I've been playing games for years and years and years, and 
I react in a very, very extravagant way. You know, sometimes I throw controllers, as I mentioned earlier on the show, you know, there'll be tears. I've definitely cried a lot during any sort of story-driven game. So I think I would probably dabble in more story-based games. Obviously, you know, any supermassive product is a great one because they're not super long games. You know, you can hop in for a couple of hours on end. But I just think I would be hilarious because I would be such a hot mess that people would probably be like, this is so, so entertaining. I would be very bad at like streaming anything that's calm and composed because odds are I'd probably try to make some dramatic moment out of nothing. So I think I just have to go for a dramatic game, folks. But yeah, any any other final games you think any of you would stream? Yeah, I, th- I actually want to kind of, I think that's so funny because I don't, I love horror games. I try and use that to like, oh, I need to get better at horror games. I need, I'm too afraid. So I get people on a call to help me get over it. And I will have people who are like, oh, you're so fun to watch. And most of the time it's just me like crouch walking everywhere going, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> this is Grant Kirkhope and you're listening to Player One. Guys, we've all run into that enemy, that boss, that just, non-player character that absolutely wrecked us to the ends of the earth and you know like it's i I, i'm not gonna say i'm bad at spider-man for ps4 i'm not actually i thought i was really good um i just i finished the game pretty quick it was not on an easy difficulty that kind of stuff and then i went on to the dlc because i was really keen on it and of course for those who've played it for those who haven't block your ears uh for those who've played it there is hammerhead who becomes the main villain of the dlc plot uh and throughout those three dlc packs hammerhead increasingly becomes more and more like powerful through like cybernetic augmentation until he's basically a death bot that can hit you and destroy you in one hit and it is ridiculous you can't escape him without swinging around like an idiot there's no way to like actually hit him without losing all your health in the process because you can't be on the ground but you have to be on the ground to hit him it's just a nightmare it's ridiculous and i find it totally annoying but what else have we got guys who else do we hate from gaming that have done this i can uh oh jackie be sure oh you're so polite thank you thank you i can think of one that comes to mind immediately i got two though uh and of course the final boss of gears of war one uh, now I feel so bad that I can't remember their name. But oh my god, you've just triggered me, Tom, because that the is worst, actually the worst so boss true. fight of all time. It's like, oh wow, I'm having such a fun time in this game, and then just the the worst possible time you could possibly have. I remember having to set the game's difficulty to easy. Like, okay, fine, I'll do this. <laughs> what a mood. No, what the is- only reason I beat that game on insanity. This is a true story because I was I got to the final boss. I couldn't do it. It's because. Yeah, in that boss battle, you know, he has these bats around him. Yeah. And then if he's in the light, they disappear. You can shoot him. And the only way I beat him was because the game glitched when he was in the light. (laughs) So I beat him. Otherwise, I genuinely, it was like four days into trying to beat that on my own and I couldn't. But sorry to cut you off. Continue. No, no, no. It's completely, it's completely reasonable. I I, like, I've always found it frustrating. You know what? One that I've also found really frustrating. One shot killed me completely. It's just, you know, some balancing issues, I think. Among us, come on, imposters! How come you get to one-shot me? I'm just a crewmate, guys. I'm just hanging out. I'm just doing my tasks, and they come in and they kill me. I don't even. There's no self-defense, you know. I think um, maybe a rework. I mean, Unpopular opinion. Hey, hey, if if you're good enough, you can defend yourself with an argument. But agreed. Uh, one... OP. Hmm. I'd argue you're OP if you know how to talk. 
But one that talking doesn't help you with is JRPG enemies. There are plenty of just normal enemies within games that will have spells like Petrify or the equivalent to Pokemon's Sheer Cold, where they'll just have like a percentage chance to one-shot kill a character. And a lot of the time, these these you know enemies can be found you know just outside of a boss or the midway through a pretty long section, and they can just make areas unbelievably painful to go through. Uh, as much as I think it's a fantastic game, Persona 5 has uh, plenty of these, uh, in the le- especially in the later couple levels. There are heaps of enemies that will have just a one-hit kill move, and it'll be something like, oh, they just, cool, they just killed my, uh, my healer on full health, uh, or they've just wiped out my entire team in one shot just based on a roll of the dice. It's unbalanced, it's really annoying, and it feels like padding for the sake of padding, and it's maybe one of my least favourite video game tropes ever. I don't know. That's me. Eleni, you? Across the board, we've kind of discussed characters or um, enemies, I should say, that are overpowered, and this next one isn't necessarily overpowered in that it's pretty easy to take down. It's more that it just it kills you in one go, and that's, of course the clicker from The Last of Us. And I think what makes this particular enemy type so annoying is that it's actually a horrifying enemy. And a lot of times I get killed by clickers because I hear them making their weird clickety-click noise and they run towards me and then I just panic and throw the controller and then I die. So I think that in terms of enemies that just destroy you in one go, that's one that always stands out for me, mainly because it's so anxiety-inducing. And I think another anxiety-inducing moment in a game that results sometimes in a one-shot death is Skyward Sword's Silent Realm because, of course, as we know, when you're traversing through, there are those guardians and when they spot you, you know, you hear their lanterns clinking and then they just chase after you. And I don't know, for me, a lot of the time with enemies, I just panic and I throw my controller, which is really not a great habit, honestly. You'd think I've been playing games my whole life. You'd think I would have settled by now, but... For me, they're two examples of just one-shot kills in games that are so unnecessary. And that that's pretty much all I've got. Anyone else got any final ones before we wrap up? Nathan? Well, two I can think of. Um, the Emmy in um in um uh, in the Metroid new- Dread, yep. Metroid Dread. <laughs> um, and also they aren't always a one-hit kill, but when a creeper gets up behind you and you hear that hissing and then you die, it's so annoying. <laughs> it's almost some of them are great examples of game design and others are just like the exact opposite like i can think the last of us is such a great example of how that game can scare you and frighten you and like really put you in the scene and then it's the jrpgs it's like wow great okay smile xd look i I don't know talking about all these video game uh, enemies that can one shot kill you and you know what we won't leave you cold on where to find the rest of Player One's lovely, lovely content. If you want to hear more Player One goodness, you can check out Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Player One Sin. You can also check out Player One on YouTube and Player One on Omni, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and literally anywhere that you can find a good podcast. If we're not there, I'm sorry, it's not a good podcast place. And as well, we do have a TikTok. It has got some funny stuff up there. Go check that out. It's really cool. And I'm reminding you about all of this wonderful stuff because it is the top of the hour. It should be 10 o'clock. If it's not 10 o'clock, check your watch and reset the watch because your watch is wrong. 
Now, we have some fantastic stuff coming up. We have, we're going to talk about, you know, streamers and if we were a streamer, what games we might stream. We're going to have, well, it says quiz, but I don't think we have a quiz person in this week. I don't know. We'll see about that very, very soon. But we're going to go into some fantastic stuff. But before we do that, things do get difficult sometimes. And sometimes you may need help or someone you may know needs help. If you uh, or someone you know need someone to talk to, please feel free to reach out to these uh, to reach out to these helplines. Beyond Blue at 1300 224-636, Kids Helpline at 1800-55-1800, and Q Life Helpline at 1800-184-527. But we've got someone kind of join the call. He just kind of like busted in and um proclaimed that he had a quiz ready for us so that's Connor, right what's going on because i won well i won last week and you know what happens i always win uh so guess what i'm going to be doing the quiz this week and you know what if you guys don't answer any of the questions correctly then i win again because that's just how it goes uh we all know how this works i throw out a question you shout out your name can i get the bu- can i hear the buzzers before we get going? nathan jacob lenny Dumb. Fantastic. Alrighty. Now, the first question of our quiz. What was the special edition controller for Resident Evil 4? Jacob. Jacob. It was a chainsaw GameCube controller. Correct, you are. Jacob, on the board already. There was also a PS2 variant as well, but most commonly the GameCube one is the one that people go to. Now, this question can be answered by anyone, so multiple people can get points here. So, true or false, in the first run of Animal Crossing Switches, uh, was the game included? Tom. Uh, Nathan. Tom, I heard your voice first. No. Okay, Nathan. I'm going to say false as well. It wasn't. Jacob. Okay. Jacob. I know for a fact it wasn't. Okay. And Lenny? Um, yeah, you, I'm just going to say no. Well, you're all 100% correct. Everybody gets a point. Uh, yeah, the game was not included. Out of all the things to include in an Animal Crossing Switch, why didn't you include the game? So I, I have a feeling you know exactly what this quiz is going to be about. Uh, so... Question three, and this will be our last question before we go into our next song. What was the first special edition of the Switch Lite? Jacob. Jacob? Oh, um, I want to say it was a funky color. Was it? It was pink, wasn't it? No. Um. Tom, what you got? Was it for Pokemon uh, Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl? No, no. I think I know what it is now, actually. Yeah, you just missed it, Jacob. Eleni? Um, was it for Animal Crossing? No. Nathan, I it's in your hand no right idea. now. I have no idea. Okay, well, Tom, you were nearly there. You were nearly there. The answer was Pokemon Sword and Shield. Yes. Oh. Was it really? Is that how released long ago? Released about the same so, time the DLC did, if I'm correct. Uh, no, it was released around the game's release back in oh. 2019. So, a uh, fun story about this. Former Artsmitten EP Marcy 
Um, they came into the sin offices one time and I saw that they had a bag with, uh, saw an EB Games bag. I'm like, oh, cool. They went there and bought something. Then they, they, they're like, hey, Connor, do you want to see what this is? I'm like, yeah, of course. They pull it out and it's that brand new Pokemon Sword and Shield Switch Lite. And it's like the, the joyce, the um, Joy-Con, well, not the Joy-Cons, but the um, joysticks themselves. One was blue and one was like a hot pink kind of color. Um, and as well, the buttons were the colors as well. So it was really cool, actually. I kind of dug it. But yeah, no, that was the first one. Came around the same time of the game's release. Now, you know what? We've got to get into our the second half of our quiz. Now, Jacob, you are currently sitting on two points. And everybody else is sitting on one point. Now, a, uh, a point was missed out on when uh, everyone did not get Pokemon Sword and Shield. But we're going to be heading into our next question. To commemorate 20 years of the PlayStation, Sony released a limited PS4 based off what? Jacob. Jacob. The PS1. Correct, you are, Jacob. Sweeping it away. Three points to Jacob, everyone else on one. Now, question five. What was the pack-in title with a bright purple PSP? Jacob. Jacob. Bright purple makes me think it was Spyro. I forget the name of it, but was it the first of the quote-unquote darky, edgy kind of Spyro trilogy? Is it like a hero's tale? It's not the name of it. You know the one I'm on about. I can't remember the name. Jacob, first of the trilogy. You could not be any more wrong. Uh, oh. All right. Anyone else? Damn, I was really annoyed because I was hoping Jacob would be half right and then I was going to come in and be like, actually, I know the name of the game, so I get the point, but now I have no idea. Okay. Still want to take a guess, Eleni? Sure. PSP. Um, okay, Eleni, I'm, I'm going to say um, the classic game, uh, Dora the Explorer, something about the Purple Planet. You are incorrect. Uh, Tom. Tom. Now, most people would be expecting me to say PS Vita's classic uh, Invisimals, as it's my favorite game of all time. I've never played it, but I know I would love it. Uh, no, it's not that, is it? It's, uh, we're going to say the Simpsons game. You know, Simpsons. Homer's, he loves, this is, it's his, ca- his couch is purple. Tom, you are incorrect, but there oh. was a yellow PSP that did commemorate the Simpsons game. Yep. Uh, Nathan, do you have any ideas? Um, I'm I'm just going to say a Ratchet and Clank game. <laughs> I don't know. Un- unfortunately, everyone is incorrect. The actual answer was a Hannah Montana game. Oh, oh I'm so what? angry. I didn't know one that. Of the, one of the rarest PSP variants in the world is a bright purple PSP with Hannah Montana as its pack-in title. The PSP itself? actually looks really nice i kind of dig the color i'm not going to be able to sleep tonight that's going to bother me so much that i didn't know that is miley cyrus on the psp uh no no she isn't yeah she hand delivered it to everyone who bought it she was there she's like enjoy the game yeah now jacob um you have so i'm just gonna say it jacob you've practically won this quiz but we're still gonna have some fun with this last question here uh question six what was the most expensive console to sell on auction? Now, oh. actually, you know what? We actually could potentially have a tie here now that I'm, I've mistaken myself. If you can guess the name of the console and 
the amount that it sold at auction. Um, Tom, what you got? I, I'm guessing that the most expensive single item console I'd have ever sold was the Queen's Gold Wii. But I don't okay. know how much for. I'm going to say something like seven million or something, which I feel like is obviously it's not. I should have gone way more higher than that. But that's, that's okay. All. Interesting call. Interesting call, Jacob. Um, give me a minute to think about this. I've got a few things running around Google in my head. It. Come back. Oh. Um, no, hands are up. Hands are up. Can I just ask a quick follow-up question, Connor? Yes. Is is this more so just relating to like the console, or is it a like a special edition of a console? This is this is relating to the console. This is a piece of history. Okay. Okay. Just double checking. Um. Okay, I'm gonna say it is like a first edition of. A something. I'm just gonna let Jacob answer because I feel like Jacob knows the answer. So I admittedly okay. was tossing up with the the Queen's Golden Week because I remember that being sold at some point, but it's not. Is it? I think it's a Nintendo. There's like a thousand Nintendos. Is it the Sony um, Nintendo prototype? Okay, okay, interesting call there, interesting call. Oh, okay. All right, interesting. I'm sorry, All I'm, right. just, I'm p- nitpicking the way he's saying okay. Like, Nathan, Nathan, what you got I'm, there? I'm also going to guess that it's the Sony Nintendo. Hey, hold on. <laughs> hey, I'll, 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 get, I'll, I'll call it for Nathan. He, you know what? He's, that's his answer. Um, okay, I've got my answer, Eleni. Um, all right, I'm just going to go like completely left of field here and mm-hmm. say, is it the Sony Nintendo prototype? <laughs> well, um, I really hope I'm wrong. Other radio stations well, would Jacob, have Jacob, you're 100% correct. So, Nathan and Eleni, you know what? I'll get it. Was now it was the Nintendo PlayStation. Now, I tried to look up exactly how much like the most expensive thing was sold at auction. This was the most updated one that i could see which granted this was as of um, april 2021 so this is the most accurate that i could find um but with everyone else how much do you think it sold at auction uh speak for an extra point that's a great question but i think rather than you know dabbling in how much we think it sold i think we should just relax with some solitude and let the listeners tell us how much they think it sold for. Hi, I'm Dan Golding, a video game composer of Untitled Goose Game and others. Uh, you're listening to Player One on Sin. That is actually it for us on Player One. That, that's that's the end of the show. We're done. So, um, if just you can find us and find more of our amazing content everywhere. You can find it at Player One Sin on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, Player One on YouTube and Player One on Omni, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. The first five episodes of this season are on the podcast realm, and Connor's Tetris Effect re- review is up too. We're gonna, um, yeah, we're gonna keep putting some awesome stuff up, but until then, we're, we're gonna say goodbye. Uh, any last words? No? Uh. No last words? I don't know. I just, I constantly think about how I'm so excited to do radio again. And the second we say goodbye and I 
end this little discussion here with my friends in the studio. I just, I long for the next one. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say goodbye. That's not a word that's going to come out of my mouth. I'm just going to sit here. I'll see you all next Wednesday, but I'm not saying bye. Speaking of um, enjoying radio and, you know, wanting to get involved every Wednesday, if you want to get involved, Sin's always looking for new volunteers, people to join in and make Sin even better. If you want to join Player One or maybe one of the other fantastic shows within Sin's umbrella, you know, please check out the Sin website, sin.org.au, and have a little have a little look around, see what you can find, and maybe join. Hey, if you wanna if you wanna come on and win the quiz, do so. I want to see you do it. Come join the quiz, please do it. Um, and you know, what? I also will highlight. Last week, I highlighted another show on Sin. This week, I'm going to highlight Loud and Queer because we did have a t- conversation about LGBTQ plus um, conversations. And I think if you want to listen to more stuff like that. Uh, Sundays from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. is a great place to find that. Lovely. Well, well said, Jacob. Of course, lots to do at Sin. If anyone listening in loves us, you know, loves the tone of the show, wants to get involved, please join. We love having new faces, new voices. But for now, if you want to check out our voices again, you'll just have to stay tuned because, as Nathan said, we are signing off. Good evening from Player One. <laughs>